Blog Talk Radio. Tune in every Monday from 10 a.m. to 12 to Awake with All Set on Evolution Radio, where the revolution is the evolution. Good morning, guys. This is Teak for the Teak Takeover. Today we're talking about colorism and the psychology of preference. So lately in the media, I've been seeing a lot of people, you know, discuss the topic of colorism in our community, and a few people have made the made the argument that it's not colorism, it's a matter of preference. So I wanted to do, start the show off with a brief history over colorism. And as I did, you know, my own research and study to, you know, to show you guys for the, for this topic, I came across this video from this guy named, his YouTube channel is called T1J. I encourage you guys to actually go watch the actual clip. The name of the clip is This is Colorism. And over and on the video, he gives, you know, he gives uh, data, examples, you know, of colorism in our communities over the, you know, ever since we got to, to this, uh, since we came to America. And it's, it's a really good video. So I'm about to play it for you guys. The clip is 15 minutes long. I encourage you guys to watch all the way through to get a full understanding over colorism in our community. So I'm going to start the clip right now, and then we'll be back to discuss it. This video is sponsored by Skillshare. Despite my near vampire-like insistence on avoiding the sun, I am nevertheless a pretty dark-skinned chocolate boy. Fortunately, I like how I look. I think I'm pretty sexy. But growing up, I was always cognizant of an underlying tension between black people who were light-skinned, or as we used to say, light-skinned, and dark-skinned people like me. Now, sometimes this was just played for jokes and common schoolyard teasing, so it was hard to differentiate it from any other kind of mocking, because kids in middle school were fucking monsters. Your Mama So Black was a standard opener in our array of Yo Mama jokes. For example, Your Mama So Black, she went to night school and got marked absent. But something I definitely noticed as a lonely and arguably girl-obsessed dark-skinned teenager is that the lighter-skinned toned boys were definitely more successful romantically than I and my other dark-skinned brothers were. Maybe they were just cooler, more stylish, and more charismatic. It's definitely possible. I was a huge dork in middle and high school. But I mean, so was everybody else. Whether or not that was the issue, the fact that darker-skinned people were treated differently than lighter-skinned people became more and more evident to me as I grew up and ventured out into the world. It was uncommon, for example, to have a dark-skinned black person as your server in a restaurant or your associate in a department store. When you could find a doll or an action figure that represented a black person, they didn't usually have very dark skin, especially the ones that were targeted towards girls. It was also rare to see a dark-skinned person as the lead on a movie or a TV show. You often couldn't create characters in video games with very dark skin. Look at this. Look at all the options they have for making a white dude. There's one, arguably two black dudes, and he's nowhere near enough of a chocolate boy. And don't even get me started on these hairstyles. Well, obviously that's the one. And while we've made improvements, a lot of this still applies today. As it turns out, these are all examples of what we now refer to as colorism. 
Hi, I'm T1J. Follow me. Colorism is a type of discrimination that's a step beyond racism, where people are marginalized not merely because of their race, but because of the literal tone of their skin. The coining of the term is widely attributed to author Alice Walker, who ironically seems to have some issues with racism herself, go figure, but that's beyond the scope of this video. It's when people are treated differently for having darker or lighter skin, even when they are the same race. And often that discrimination comes from people of that same race. Now I'm most familiar with colorism as it relates to black Americans, but societies all over the world have historically held prejudices against people with darker skin. And just like with racism, this discrimination causes people with lighter skin tones to experience a measure of privilege even if they are a member of a disadvantaged group. And many of those privileges mirror the advantages that white people have over other racial groups. There's data to back this up. Dark skinned people report more frequent microaggressions than lighter skinned people. There's an actual wage gap between dark and light skinned people. Light skinned black people receive more lenient prison sentences. People with light skin are perceived as more intelligent and more attractive, which I don't get at all. Have you seen this face? And the list goes on. Negative perceptions of people with darker skin goes all the way back to ancient times. It most likely originated with the fact that nobility and other upper class people were able to stay indoors, while the poor and the lower class labored outside in the sun, resulting in their skin appearing darker. So in many cultures, darker skin became associated with poverty and squalor, and over time evolved to just become undesirable and unattractive. This is especially the case for women who, just like today, were pressured to live up to sometimes unrealistic standards of beauty. And many women at the time perceived lighter skin as more feminine and more beautiful, which is a concept that hasn't really gone away. The global market for products that supposedly whiten the skin, even ones that are potentially harmful, is somewhere in the realm of 20 billion US dollars. 100% natural orange papaya extract para ang skin whiter and smoother feeling in one week. White love papaya, my skin so white. <laughs> These discriminatory attitudes based on ancient classism were further reinforced as a result of European colonialism. As the influence of Western culture has spread throughout the world, so has the association of beauty and wealth with whiteness, and subsequently lighter skin, which has only made the ancient problem of colorism that much more damaging. The effects of European colonialism on the attitudes about skin color perhaps emerged most prominently during the transatlantic slave trade. The race-based prejudice that Europeans used to justify their domination and enslavement of people of indigenous and African descent was further used to divide members of those groups. For example, people who were conceived through a sexual union between a black person and a white person, often a result of rape, naturally ended up having lighter skin and were usually treated less harshly and given less strenuous tasks than other slaves. One of the most well-known examples of this is the fact that lighter skinned slaves were often allowed to work indoors while the darker ones worked in harsher conditions outside in the field. Because of these advantages, light-skinned black people had a better chance of becoming educated or skilled, having wealth or property, or even being freed from slavery. And this was no doubt a tool used by Europeans to encourage an association of whiteness with worth and value. So even if you weren't fully white, the closer you were, the better. Unfortunately, this led to a legacy of tension between lighter-skinned black people and darker-skinned black people even after slavery was abolished. In many parts of the United States, the one-drop rule came into effect, which classified anyone with any shred of African ancestry as legally black 
and thus unequal to whites. Nevertheless, some light-skinned people actually came up believing that having more European ancestry made them superior to people with darker skin. Or at the very least, many of them took advantage of the privileges afforded them, even if they were still seen as second-class citizens by white society. Yes. You can be privileged and disadvantaged at the same time. A lot of y'all act like y'all don't understand that. This is an important lesson about power and privilege. Those with power, no matter how little, are regularly driven to maintain that power, whether consciously or not, and sometimes even at the cost of their own allies. Light-skinned black people in America even formed exclusive clubs and fraternities. In the early 1900s, some black neighborhoods would host so-called paper bag parties where if your skin was darker than the color of a brown paper bag, you weren't allowed in. I don't think I would have made it in. These sorts of tests weren't limited to informal house parties though. Even black institutions like churches and universities would select members based on skin tone. And people have asserted that some of them even used the paper bag test themselves. This led to not only increasing friction between people of different skin tones, but it also led to a measurable gap in areas such as income, education, and even romantic desirability. And just like in other parts of the world, colorism affects women in a very specific and arguably more damaging way. Dark-skinned women experience all the same negative outcomes as everybody else, but they have to deal with the added pressure of society expecting them to uphold Eurocentric standards of beauty. I talk about how the light-skinned boys at school had an easier time gaining romantic attention, but in truth, it was the same for the lighter-skinned girls as well. But this ends up affecting women in a deeper way. As I pointed out in my video about racial dating preferences, black women usually rank near the bottom on opinion surveys measuring general attractiveness and desirability. As you might imagine, this problem is confounded for black women with darker skin. Now, whether or not people find you physically attractive may seem frivolous, but it's no coincidence that many of the benefits that you get when people find you attractive can be directly compared to the benefits people get for being white. These benefits include things like being perceived as more approachable, being perceived as smarter, healthier, more persuasive, or more trustworthy. All of which, of course, can lead to positive outcomes in many areas, such as getting a job or interacting with law enforcement. And as always, we can look to our popular media for insight about what is perceived as beautiful or worthy of attention. My name is Kim, this light-skinned girl from Shaolin. And as for them pretty light-skinned models standing in the cold. light skin from the with only a few exceptions, the majority of the world's most successful and iconic non-white female musical artists are women with lighter skin tones. The majority of the most successful actresses of color have skin on the lighter end of the spectrum. On TV shows and movies featuring black performers throughout the years, it was common for the female lead to be women with light skin. And dark-skinned women were often cast as the crazy or feisty friend of the main character. Incidentally, these darker-skinned women were commonly depicted as having trouble in their love lives. As I said, I'm most familiar with colorism when it relates to the plight of black people. But other cultures experience colorism in different ways, especially throughout the various regions in Asia. The association of lighter skin with beauty and class still persists and has been made worse by the increasing influence of Eurocentric standards. The Bollywood films that are popular in South Asia often feature lighter skin performers. 
which doesn't always accurately reflect the population in that area. I read an article about a woman in China who was literally scolded on the streets because she wasn't holding an umbrella to protect her fair skin from the sun. And this problem is even more complex for Asian people living in Western countries. The idea of skin tone as a status symbol on top of the European legacy of racism leads to problems that mirror the issues that other people of color experience. The half Chinese actor and singer Chloe Bennett was born Chloe Wong, but had to change her name before she could get a job in Hollywood. And it's common for people of color to change their name to something more palatable to white people in order to gain favor in various ways. Luckily, I have a super generic name, so I often have the pleasure of watching white people pretend not to be surprised when they meet me for the first time. And this of course reminds me of the famous study that showed that people with black sounding names were less likely to get called back for job interviews. But what happens at the end of the day is the same result. Whiteness is upheld as the ideal while blackness is disparaged as inferior. And this is not meant to drag any of the people I mentioned or any light-skinned people in general. I encourage people of all complexions to thrive and do everything you can to achieve your goals and dreams while we work together to dismantle systems of oppression. Sometimes I see people accusing light-skinned people or mixed heritage people of being not fully committed to the cause or even not black enough or not Asian enough. And I wanna be clear that that's not what I'm doing here because that sucks, but colorism is a real thing and it's something that people are often hesitant to address especially when it comes from within our own communities. When you are constantly subjected to tangible marginalization as a person of color, especially as a woman of color, it can be difficult to recognize the areas in which you enjoy privilege. Interestingly, there's one instance where this preference for lighter skin may be somewhat subverted, white people. One analysis of over 2,000 advertising photos suggested that white men with darker complexions were thought of as more attractive than their light-skinned counterparts. And while fair-skinned white women still reigned supreme, the darker-skinned women were more likely to be depicted with less clothing or in more provocative poses, indicating an association with sexual attractiveness. There's also the common practice of cosmetic tanning, which has been popular among white people for decades. Although it did see an unfortunate dip into the uncanny valley during the popularity of the Jersey Shore. This is interesting to me because, as I mentioned, people of color are consistently rated as less attractive than white people, with the exception of Asian women. And as I said, Asian countries have their own problems with colorism, but I suspect that's a whole nother conversation about Western fetishizing of Asian women. We can talk about that another time. So it seems like white people value a little color, but not so much that they can't retreat back into their whiteness when needed. I don't want to discount the progress we've made in this area. Attitudes are shifting slowly but surely. We're seeing more representation and more cooperation. Although we have internalized a lot of these negative stereotypes, we're having this conversation together and working to solve the problem. But ultimately, colorism is yet another consequence of the legacy of classism and white supremacy. As long as the underlying premise that whiteness equals beauty, intelligence, and wealth exists, these issues will continue to pose problems for everyone else trying to make it in the world. So the solution, in my opinion, is not to attack individuals, but to work together to expose and eradicate the systems and the attitudes that we as individuals have internalized. But that's just me, though. What do you think? Thanks for watching that, and thanks to Skill.
right, guys, as I said before, that was actually a really good, really persuasive and I think very progressive video on what colorism is. He went over the entire history, got into detail, and as I said, go to his page, P1J, to watch the video to see, you know, he put up a lot of data and um, to back what he was saying. And like I said before, it is, it is a touchy subject, I believe, in our community. I wanted to start the video off with, you know, explaining, have it being explained what colorism is, because colorism is real. It's kind of a touchy subject when I try to, you know, spark the conversation, especially with black men. It's easier to have a conversation on, I've noticed, with women, whether they are light, lighter skin, mixed, uh, with mixed race, and darker skin women. They seem to completely understand it. They don't deny it. A few uh, a few women maybe I might see online, they comment about it, you know, on the opposite side of, about colorism not being real. And like I said, we had, like, like, I'm sorry, like he said, we have made some progressions. We have, you know, came a long way, and, I, and we don't want to discount that, but we still have a long way to go on the entire spectrum. And the thing that I come across when I am having a discussion with men about colorism is they use the argument that it's a preference. And so I tried to look up the psychology of preference, and it's really hard really to actually get into um, any real research or studies done when it comes to preference. Most of the things I come across, I might see uh, um, a lot of the uh, people who talk about, you know, this, uh, the psychology of preference, they usually talk about um, for instance, people wanting uh, what's better over what's not perceived as good. That seems to be the main idea behind it. So the idea of preference is you prefer something that you deem is better quality, which is understandable. So a lot of times I see dramatic pictures of maybe a, a house, impoverished uh, house, you know, that's in the urban area looks dirty, torn down, worn down, as compared to a nice house in an upper-class area or a mansion, same thing with a car. But to me, that's a survival instinct of self-preservation. Me personally, I would prefer a better quality car. Anyone would prefer a better quality car, better quality um, house. Because, But that is the understanding that that is better. I'm not going to sell myself short. I'm not going to... Uh, and I understand, you know, a lot of people have come with the idea of living with less. That is completely understandable, but at the same time, you're not going to live in a house that's dirty, torn down, worn down, that you constantly have to work and fix on because it's not really considered safe. I don't think it's safe for your health, right? That's just a, a, a common sense level. But then when it comes down to preference, when he, he talks about colorism, for example, um, someone going to get a job. Let's say we have two men, one's white, one's black. Both have the same exact same exact qualifications, but let's just say that the, the black man has a little more experience. But at the same time, when it comes down to a situation, maybe the person is uh, racist or just being that a uh, look for the company or for the job, he prefers the white man. Now, that is where the issue lies when it comes to within our community and the entire situation when it comes to racism and colorism, is that that one is not really that one is not at all better than the other. It's just they prefer that because they see that as being better, which is a completely artificial concept. And as he talks about, you know, the history of it and how that all came into play with the Eurocentric standards, and the reason why I say the psychology of um, 
preference is because I believe that these are things that are really like, you know how they say racism is taught? Same thing with colorism. I feel like it has been taught that that is better, that that is uh, more attractive, I guess, or deemed as good. You might hear the comments with good hair and bad hair. We use those terms as one is bad, one is less attractive. You know, so um, darker-skinned women are usually expected to wear hair weaves, perms, to hide their natural kinky hair. And I have my own experience with when it comes to colorism. I remember when I was younger, so badly, I'm being honest, I wanted to be light-skinned. I'm not really a if you guys uh, haven't seen me in person, when I said post post the uh, the flyers of me when I did do the, when, I, when I do the shows, you guys can go to my uh, Instagram page, which is public. My name is Teak McClellan, T I Q U E M C C L E L L A N D. So I'm actually more on a lighter side. Some people even consider me light skinned, but I am not considered light skinned. I'm a brown skinned girl. And growing up, you know, I have a 4C hair. For for those who don't know, 4C is kind of like the kinkiest, most, you know, coarse hair that you can have for African-American. And I used to always turn my hair, wear weaves, um, wear straight weaves. Uh, I did before try to lightly bleach my skin. And I don't have a problem admitting that because now when I look back at that, I just laugh at myself, like how ridiculous I was. But at the time, that was my honest truth in reality. My goal was to be more attractive, be more desirable. And in my mind, that was having lighter skin, having straight hair, hiding my hair, you know, um, doing what I can to look more attractive in my physical appearance, you know, being skinny, all these things that I associated with beauty that in my mind I thought was beautiful. I considered me, I considered myself to be extremely unlucky. So life was so unfair. My mom is um, is, is mixed. And, uh, she has very, she has the hair like, all you got to do is put water on it to flick her edges. And so does my brother and sister. And yet I got very, very coarse hair. Me and my sister have the same dad, but my sister has more of my mom's hair and has more of my dad's hair because my dad has forced hair as well. My dad's whole side of the family does. So I just consider myself very unlucky. I was very sad and depressed about it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why I got stuck with this hair. I hated it so much. I did whatever I could to hide it so people didn't know. I never wanted my natural hair to show. And what I did just caused a lot of damage to my hair. I know a lot of um, black girls who can testify to having the same exact experience, you know, growing up. Like, like I said, I feel like we made a lot, a lot of progression. Natural hair is in, but it seems like when it comes to discussing natural hair, it's kind of like a certain type of natural is acceptable to be shown, not really the 4C hair, which is like 4C hair looks like wool. That's what it looks like, wool. It's very kinky, very coarse. It's, you know, we have um, our curls are so tiny and so tight. So, you know, really it just you really have to pick it out to have a fro because if you have the, the small curls, it's hard to really detangle and, uh, and, um, and comb out. As, a, as of course, to the, like, you know, the light-skinned girls, the fair-skinned girls with the bigger curls, you know, that's, you know, that flows. It's, like, not really as big and poofy, and you can, like, kind of, you can still run your fingers through. We seem to really only want to see that type of natural. We don't want to see the, the kinky edges, the super curly edges that doesn't lay and swerve, although I do like the, the laid edges style. But at the same time, I don't see that as better. I just think that's a nice trend. It's a beautiful trend. I love it. I do that on my own edges. But 
you know, because I have that hair, when uh, I sweat it out, it curls up. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't try to hide it. Like I see the memes that people talk about when you try to lay your edges and they curl up. For me, it's not a problem. I know my hair type. I have grown now, like I said, from my old reality to now to, to love on myself. So now, you know, now I'm like, I don't, I see good hair to me as healthy hair. Good hair isn't like slick hair, straight hair. Good hair to me is healthy hair. And the goal is to talk about these things and change the attitudes towards, you know, how we being darker-skinned women because, you know, they are our sisters. They are our brothers, and they are beautiful. They are differently and unique. I was talking to someone. I was explaining to them, like, lately I have been finding, especially black men, extremely attractive from all shapes and sizes, from their hair, from the lips, I mean, I'm sorry, from their lips to their style, their nose, their broad shoulders, you know, everything about them. And it's unique to me to look at people and, and just see the beauty in them, and you don't really have to associate what, you know, is considered better because it's, uh, it's lighter or it's white, if that makes sense. And this is not to put down white people or to say that, you know, light-skinned people, like you said, to make them feel like that's less inferior, but it's just a point of, like, not of understanding that quality in, is not associated with lighter skin. Like that's just common sense. I believe I need to explain that, but I did. But anyway, so as I was uh again going over the the psychology of, of preference, it was hard to find those things. But at the same time, I feel like that takes away from the fact of actual quality over something that's better, and also what has been drilled into you for what you to believe is better, but it's actually not. Or even just demonizing someone else because how they were born things that they cannot change about themselves. It's one thing to not like someone over the character and how they behave, but, but literally over the way that they look, how they was born, which is like teaching someone to hate themselves and not, not feel good about themselves. Like I said, it's a horrible thing. And I know a lot of black men and black women have, you know, dealt with color colorism in their own community. And maybe some people might feel like, you know, I look, I wouldn't, I'm going to go ahead and call them the privilege who actually don't want to recognize it or admit it. But like I said, I mainly get that attitude from men. That's my own personal experience. You know, and at, and at the end, I would like to discuss if anyone wants to come on and talk about their own personal experience. Maybe they had a whole entire different one. I don't want to deny anyone their truth or their reality. Because to me, I feel like even if you don't agree with what I'm saying, what is being presented in front of you, although it is actual truth, Truth, which is why I took, which is why I told you guys to go watch the video of him talking about the history of colorism and how far we came, and you know how it has affected our culture and our society. You can't deny that, but at the same time, I won't deny anyone the truth or their own reality. Things that I've noticed, like even from today, I don't know if you guys remember uh, when Shreya Compton came out, there was a whole controversy uh, swirling around the casting call video that they had. And on the casting call video, I'm sorry, not the casting call video, the casting call flyer that they put out when it came to discussing colorism, they had like the A girls, the B girls, the D girls, and the C girls. And uh, hold on, I'm about to pull it up here so I can remember exactly what it said. But it's pretty common sense to know that the B girls were considered the African-American girls with uh, natural hair, was considered the B girls, uh, They that they really didn't want really a camera but just backed around but they was always gonna be in like the impoverished or the ghetto areas perceived as ghetto and the A girls were considered 
exposed. Uh, these are the hottest models. This is an actual quote from the flyer when they did casting call for the movies to find females to do the movies for straight out of Compton. These are the hottest girls. Must have real hair, no extensions, very classy looking, great bodies. You, you can be black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, or mixed race, ages 18 to 30, current photos. Oh, okay. Wait a second. I'm trying to find it. Okay. Then it goes to deep girls. You're going to find girls long natural hair, really nice body, small waist. Uh, you should be light-skinned. Uh, Beyonce is a prototype here. Those are the deep girls. And it goes out to the sea girls. These are the African-American girls. Um, medium to light skin, ages 18 to 30. Then it goes out to the deep girls. The these are African girls. Poor, not well-shaped, medium, dark skin, uh, character type, ages 30, uh, 18 to 30. There's a lot of controversy surrounding this because as it goes down as the, the girls of less quality, it, it specifically says the African-American girls. And then, you know, the egg girls, you know, of all races, if they can come in and play the and play the hot girls that be watching their music videos or whatever. Now, I kind of understand what they're coming from because in that area that they stay in, they're trying to stay, you know, true to the, the reality that they live in. They live around uh, the African-American girls of fake and the impoverished area, and, you know, that's a whole other topic to get in when it comes to class and uh, etiquette, when it comes to, you know, looks, when it comes to black women. But it was considered extremely offensive to black women because they called them the B-girls, the poor girls. Uh, it kind of seemed they were basically saying they're less attractive women, and it specifically said African-American girls. And, and another thing is uh, school days. As he talked about before, I don't know if you guys remember school days when they had the whole musical with the light skin sorority when they talk about how they're better because their skin is light and their hair is more um, manageable and they look more beautiful because of that. And they, you know, was just always against the dark skin girls, making it seem like they was less. They thought they were the hot girls on campus and the men, and certain men treated them that way. And also, I don't know if you guys seen, uh, I think it was last year when Joe Button, co-host, got called out for his remarks about dark skin girls. He basically dragged black women for basically being dark and ugly, basically, period, just because they were dark and ugly, how he prefers, you know, Latino, uh, Latino women. And it's just a whole attitude that we have noticed against, you know, darker skinned women and, uh, and black women. The good and bad hair comments that uh, have been coming up lately when it comes to dealing with colorism is I, one thing that I just explained. When you use comments like that, you're telling them that they're bad, they're inferior. That gets internalized into young black girls and young black men who have certain hair types, who have certain skin tones. They internalize that to their core when you say that's bad, that's not good, that's not worthy, this is better. To, to tell them, like, with what you are and how you're born, you have to look like this to be considered good or better. And we know that direct effects are, I mean, so directly affects their self-esteem and also our community. Like, like he said before, when it comes to the privilege and who gets treated better, who uh, the the wage gap, you know, when it comes to their take-home and them getting inflected for jobs, even though they're qualified, they're just as good, just as smart. And this is beautiful. So, I wanna, so at the end, I want to play this clip right now. This is right here is a bunch of women, light skin and dark skin, just speaking the truth and their reality about their experience with colorism. This is on the Insta, sorry, the YouTube page called The Guardian. The, uh, the clip just shows all these women just talking about their experience. It's really 
interesting because everyone has their own opinion and perspective, which is like, you know, on the video that I played at the beginning, I'm sorry, the audio, it's real cut and dry. He just explains what colorism is. And one thing that I found really interesting and really cool is that everyone has their own reality, how they deal with it, their own perception, their own opinion, which you cannot deny, and everyone has their right to that. You don't have to agree with it, and you damn sure don't have to uh, hear it by it and live by it. You know, the reason why I played the video in the beginning is because it's too much. There's no, there's no ignorance that can be allowed inside of that. So let's go ahead and get to the video. Sorry, audio. Keep saying video. Colorism conversations for me are always really interesting mm-hmm. because the way that I grew up was you need to be darker. Really? Like everyone in my family wants to be darker. I'm all about being darker. I didn't realize this until my teens though, but like when I went to Grenada and like I got like a really nice, healthy, dark tan, I felt like my skin was glowing. Right, I just, beautiful. Yeah, I was like, all right. There's this picture um, of a couple of rappers. It was like Jay-Z, Diddy, Swiss Beats, somebody else at a table. And they were like talking about like what excellence looks like in all of their women. You had Beyonce, Alicia Keys, Cassie, mm-hmm. all very light skinned. So clearly there's an association with like being high class and looking a certain way. And I know for me, like I was always very urged to like this idea of like a messy bun, like throwing your hair in a messy bun. And I used to have hair, like more than this. So like putting my hair in a messy bun and putting on sweats and going outside, I couldn't do that because if I do that as a darker skinned woman with my hair nappy and like then somebody might think I was homeless. Or somebody would think like, oh, that she she didn't shower today or whatever. The the lighter you are and the more polished you look Mm -hmm. is definitely associated with, with, you know, more money. My family comes from an ethnicity called Garifuna, and we're a mixture of West African and Awakan people. In our home country of Guatemala, there's a lot of indigenous folks and Garifuna folks together. And usually they get together and they have mulazu, like mm-hmm. like basically biracial children. Mm-hmm. And that was always seen as beautiful. Having that overall really shaped the way I viewed myself um, and feeling that I was never really beautiful in my skin. Um, so I had to literally like seek that out on myself to love my melanin. My two best friends are much lighter than me, right? So I have been standing next to my friends and people have literally not said hello to me because they are not seeing me. People literally ignore dark-skinned women, particularly fat, dark-skinned women, particularly fat, dark-skinned women that don't have no hair. Me, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I know that when I'm being called light-skinned, if somebody's trying to holler at me or whatever, like it's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's uncomfortable for me to be called light skin because it's like you're calling me, uh, you're saying I'm different from you. You're saying that I'm not, I'm not in your, like you're excluding me from a community. But it's more of like a dismissal. Yeah. And being black and white, like I'm not gonna, t- I'm not gonna not tell you my mother is white, but I'm not white. I am not half white. I am a black woman. I don't like that. We're separated by skin tone. When I could have been, I could have had two black parents and been the skin tone. I, I'm hearing a lot about, you know, this, this the European or Eurocentric standard of beauty. But I'm also sometimes offended when 
people on the color spectrum would question my um, sort of commitment to the race. I think there's a part of me that also resents if someone's saying, well, if you're not natural, you didn't do this, which I feel like I'm natural. I didn't, I didn't have any chemical in my hair, but I decided, yeah, I won't blow dry my hair. And that doesn't make me any less than one of my sisters who's deciding something else. My first like memory of race, I would say, has been about colorism, which I think is interesting because I think it was me asking my mom if she was white, which I thought was really interesting. And then she told me the first memory she remembers was when I was at a park and I was playing with these kids and then like the older sister came over and she was like, no, don't play with her because she's brown. The color spectrum is something that like we have to deal with if we want to move forward at all as like a people. You have to understand that we didn't originally create this type of hotomosity. You know, we didn't create this like kind of intense relations with each other. It was brought upon us. So even if it was here for African Americans in the U.S. or if it's in you know Central or South America or in the Caribbean, it's like this is something that was structured to be able to divide and conquer. So are we saying that it's on lighter skinned people to open doors or make spaces? Like, are we saying that we don't collectively have the power to make yeah. our own space? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's a, I think it's a joint effort. Like, as far as looking towards the future, we have these examples of what dark, like Jordan Peele just released this film. He has Lupita Nyong'o yeah. as a lead. You have people, like even just in conversations, people talk about Beyonce, but now people are like, what about Kelly though? Like, yeah. like this, this idea of like bringing darker women to the forefront, like that is present. Like in your, fa in the families we create, we have to make sure that we enforce that self-love and then also lighter skin people making sure that they don't um, succumb to to Eurocentric standards of beauty or like influencing it. We are two black women experiencing something together. Mm -hmm. My way of showing up for you is if I need to put my body on the line, I'm putting my body on the line. The way that you're disrupting systems of oppression is making sure people acknowledge my humanity. Mm -hmm. We finna do this together. Mm -hmm. Like we have to do it together. I love you yes. so very much. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I thought it was really interesting to listen to and, and see that video. Again, it's on um, The Guardian, is which is the name of the YouTube channel, and it's called A Black Woman Discuss the Politics of Colorism. And it was very interesting to hear, like I said, the, the first woman that came on when I watched it, she said growing up for her, her reality was you wanted to be darker. You wanted the darker skin. And even just thinking back when I was younger, because I had very full lips, it was um, I'm sorry. It was deemed unattractive to have bigger lips, and now that seems to be the wave and the craze. And everybody wants bigger lips. Everybody's doing the lip pucker things. The um, I don't know what it's called, the fillers that Kylie got or the lip gloss that that swirls your lips up. I tried that one time because my friend had it, and I just needed some lip gloss, and it just stung so bad. I'm like, she's so stupid. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I don't need it. I have fuller lips. So there's a lot of things that, you know, attitudes that are very problematic, very detrimental to our community. And one thing that I want to say, it's always been my attitude when it comes to 
doors not being open for you is to make those doors. One thing that I realized that a lot of times, you know, we, we're not alone. We stand together in the, in the plights that we have. Uh, if you, when you deal with something, it's not just you dealing with it. It's a whole little community of you guys dealing with something, if that makes sense. Black-skinned women um, all having the same thing. Create those doors for each other. You know, so, you know, competition is good. I encourage people to, comp- to compete, to strive to be the best, to, but compete with yourself. You know, make yourself be the best that you can be for yourself. The most, like the main person you are against is you. You're not against your sisters or your brothers. You can be number one and still, I'm trying to say, and still open those doors and let them keep going. You're still number one. You still have to fight to be number one. But the point that I'm trying to make is open those doors yourself. They won't make room for you. Make your own room. Do it yourself. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's a good thing that we talk about these things. I think it's really, I thought the video was really cool to see everyone's attitude, everyone's reality. Everybody grew up in a different area and experienced different, you know, things when it comes to colorism on their own. Another thing I think is interesting was the, the light-skinned woman on the on the clip, as she discusses, you know, she did not, she doesn't like being called light-skinned or being told she's beautiful because she's light-skinned or, or you know, having her, European white side associated with her because she says she is a black woman. And actually a lot of light-skinned women that I come across kind of have an attitude, really, do I have one who's like, you know, at least now, who is even talks about, even considers themselves half white. They are black. If you ask them what they are, they'll mention it. You know, I'm pretty sure I, you know, you might have heard a discussion how light-skinned women get tired of getting that set. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, you are mixed. And I, at the same time, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that, no matter what you are mixed with. You know, if you're a beautiful person, like I said, you're beautiful. What makes you beautiful is because your character, your charisma, your attitude. I think that attraction is an attitude. And how you carry yourself, how you groom yourself, everything about you, how you look, you know, is up to you. Take care of yourself. Take care of your body. Work out. Eat healthy. That's just, you know, work on your mental health. Those are just things that have to be done, you know. No matter what, there's no debate on that, especially when it comes to me. You have to work on yourself. You have to work on your mental and emotional health. You have to work on your physical health. You have to groom yourself. You have to, you know, like your beauty, you can enhance it as much as you like. You are beautiful. And I think, like I said, I think attraction is an attitude. And it is hard to fight against those, you know, things that people who tell you you're not beautiful because your hair is too kinky. You're not beautiful because you're too dark. You're not beautiful because your lips are too big. You know what I mean? You're not beautiful because your ass ain't fat enough. All these bullshit things that we hear, fuck all that. And we can say that, and I can mean that, you know. And like I said, when it came to my own personal experience, it took me a long time to find my own stuff worth. I had to go through a lot of things, and I'm still fairly young. I'm only 25. I'm still growing. I'm still learning the importance of taking care of my stuff, my body, and my mind. But one thing that I can say, one hurdle that I did get over is loving who I am, the package that I came in. And one thing that I have noticed, uh, you might see the memes online if you guys are on uh, Facebook or a lot. And one common thing that I see is that people will show old pictures of celebrities before they got rich, and they'll say, sometimes you're not ugly, you're just broke. Like I said, um, enhance your beauty as much as you like. Come on, say enhance your beauty, wear your hair. I wear, I used to wear straight beads, as I said before, but now I wear curly leaves. I mean, curly leaves because I like big hair. I'm not hiding, you know, my beauty. I still have, like, my natural hair showing. I use uh, the leave-out method, but it is to enhance my beauty. I like to wear makeup, you know what I mean? I like to wear clothes that I can be flattering and makes me feel good about myself because the way you dress, 
had and I discussed this in a video uh, prior to this uh, in a few videos before has a direct effect on your mood. So I, I encourage everyone to get up every day and take care of your body and yourself and love yourself. But the issue at hand now is that having to fight against, you know, systematic oppression, things that you know we were not ready to ready to recognize or even talk about in our community. And like I said, and like he said, and I would say the same thing, you know, the goal isn't to say someone's bad or wrong because who you are, you shouldn't be ashamed of. Whether you're light skin or dark skin, you should be proud of who you are. And I encourage us to continue to have these conversations and also try to change attitudes for the youth coming up when it comes to how they view what's better and what's worse. You know, like I said, I discussed the white men and the black men before in the video when it came, when they talked about, when I talked about, sorry, when I talked about, two people, same qualifications, but because, you know, they might feel like the white person is more, look, looks better for the company when it comes to image and just how they, you know, because they, as he said, when it comes to colorism, they're more trustworthy, more deemed as approachable as a black man or darker skin uh, individual. Two people have the same qualifications, the same accolades, and the same exact work. It's a very hard thing to fight against. So I encourage, you know, especially because, like, right now, the main people that we need to reach is the youth, the young people growing up. When it comes to the attitudes that we see, when it comes to showing our kids, you know, what beauty is, what beautiful is, because that's why we fought so hard to get us on TV so we can see these things and have, you know, idols to look up to, to, you know, want to be better, to strive to be good. And positive images of our of African Americans on TV from light to dark. The attitude for the the dark skinned woman that is constantly portrayed on TV is one thing that is we have to stop, you know. And, and I think we are, you know, like I said, we are progressing. We have like insecure. We have lead roles of dark skinned women like Viola Davis, uh, like the insecure, we're strong, you know, woman, beautiful woman, and we all go through things. We all have our own struggles and battles. So I encourage us to number one to change attitudes start with the kids, and at the same time, like create your own door. Like, reach out to people who are in the same boat as you, work together. You know, we really we really have allies out there that we don't even know. Okay, so I see someone trying to tap in. I'm going to let uh, let you come on. Uh, area code 848-50-650, because I just want to hear everyone's opinion and the truth about this topic and situation. Hello. Hello. on the air. Hi. Peace the goddess. Hi. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? That's great. I'm doing wonderful. Magnificent and great. Good. Um, great topic. It's a Thank great you. topic. Thank you. Well, I'm a Hispanic. I'm a, I'm a Moor, but I'm Boricua. So, you know, I'm a light-skinned uh-huh. brother. And uh-huh. I love my dark-skinned women. I don't know, man. We just, you know, we come in all colors. Yeah, we do. I think that, you know, if our people want to be with a European looking, we got those too. You know? Yeah. It's and, uh, about, you know. I don't know uh, when you came on to the video, I had that clip came before from the, the YouTube clip from the guy C1J, and he talked about why that attitude has been instilled inside of us so much. But sometimes it's kind of even like, your reality. It's not even a matter of choice. It's what's your, what's been psychologically driven inside of you to deem that it's better or more beautiful 
You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that choice has already been made from you, and you just accepted it because at the same time, you're not wrong for that because that's all you know. Yes, that's very true. I, and I agree with you. Like, And like I said, this came from my own growth. You know, black women are so beautiful. So are black men, you know, all shapes, sizes, shades, you know, are very beautiful. And it's like when you're not looking at, you know, the world through that lens that they try to depict for you, you can honestly find the beauty in people, especially off their character, their charisma, how they carry themselves, how they groom themselves and take care of themselves and how they approach you, how they conversate with you. It's like, you know what I mean? That's right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what you you call colorblind. Yes. Have you dealt with any situations when it comes to colorism in the community or even seen it for yourself? Yeah, well, I lived it myself. I'm a, Like I said, I'm a lighter-skinned Boricua brother, so they be thinking I'm white, but then when they find out I'm Hispanic, they, 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 they shun on me then. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. crazy, you know? So I, I've been dealing with it, too, all my life, you know? Like the brothers deal mm-hmm. with it with... They're black, so they get scared of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it, it happens to us all. It really does. Yeah. It does. It's not. It's not a singling out anybody. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just we just gotta find the beauty in ourselves. I was just mm-hmm. lucky to grow up around my people. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have too many white friends, so that didn't affect me until I got older. You know what I'm saying? And got mm-hmm. out into the world into the European world where they where they're like mm-hmm. you said, that's their standards. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's their standards. That's not our standards. We just are adapting to their standards and their traditions. You know, just like the Christmas, the Halloween and all that. That's not our shit. But we adapting to yeah. it. We're getting Americanized. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. And we and, need to um, wake up. It's hard Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's so hard to talk to people because, you know, it's like, number one, it's like I said before, it's their whole reality. That's their truth. That's all they know. So, for example, um, let's say you live in a building, and every time you look up at the sky, the sky is green through that glass, and you just assume the sky is green. And everyone around you all agrees that that's, the, that's what it is. Now, you who come in from a, you know, have had a bigger experience, you know, of the world, you're like, like you're coming outside of that shelter, you know that the sky is blue. You, have, you, you know the truth. You have seen it with your own eyes without anything to cover, no shield upon it. So when you go into that shelter and you tell them, they're going to think you're crazy, think you're lying, right? Because you tell them Always. someone, everything they know and believe their entire life, and, I'm sorry, their entire lives, their entire reality, everything that they know is true, that they, had, that they feel that they saw is wrong, they're going to think you're stupid, they're going to try to put you down, talk shit to you, like this, that, and the third. But the thing about that is I think that conversation with you, number one, is important. And it's important to also have proof, you know, to credible sources to prove what you're talking about. That's why I like the first video when he just discusses colorism, details, you know, from how it started. So I think that you should always speak, you know, your truth. I like that you are, you already know these things, like you said, about Christmas and like that. And continue to you know, start with the youth. That's the message you got to reach. Because the adults, they already have, they're already in stuck in their ways. The youth, the young people is who you really have to speak the truth to before they even get up on that train. Absolutely. You know, um, I have my grandson, and, and, and he's melanated. Like, we all melanated, but he's a little darker. He 
You know what I'm saying? And and he plays with all the kids. And then I, you know, and I see other kids with the white parents. They're like, oh, you know, you know, don't play, oh, play over here. You know, and it's like, ain't I see it? But I teach them from mm-hmm. the very young that we're beautiful, we're important. You know what I'm saying? And we're superior. Mm-hmm. They need to know that we're superior, for real. These kids really need to know that we are superior and they're inferior because if they're playing this game with the color looks, you know what I'm saying, and we really got to step up our game and teach our youth the yeah. correct way in the real history of where we come from. And I feel like you know? that's a whole, yeah, I feel like that's a whole other topic because it's true. I've seen the studies on that of, you know, the, you know, how we are technically superior when it comes to physically and mentally. But at the same time, what they understood, you know, the people who, you know, make sure that they people can win. I don't, I can't say exactly, but you know, that has been done over the centuries, over the decades. Is they they kill you psychologically by telling you this is what this is what it is, this is the truth as you come into the world. So you fight Absolutely. against, you know, yeah. And so we still and I we still fighting against it to this day. You know, we yes. we still fighting to yes. it to this day. Yes. Yes, we are. And I think that uh, I'm happy that there are people like you who who already know and you are, you know, teaching your kids that that's wrong. You're teaching them what's actually wrong is wrong. You know what I mean? Because one thing I will say is it took me a while to be limitless with how I dream and how I wanted to live my life. And I think a lot of minority people, you know, dark-skinned people have the same situation because I feel like I can't dream that big because of my my exact my exact reason for not dreaming too big is because of color of my skin. Not because I'm less qualified, not because I'm less capable, not because I'm less smart, not because I don't deserve it. Strictly because I know that that is harder and possible because of color of my skin. For example, like being the president of the United States. I was so shocked when we had a black president. But before mm-hmm. you didn't dare to dream that big. You couldn't because you just knew that they were not going to let that happen. No, no. That's just Hopefully. like the Black Panther movie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I apologize. I'm sorry? No, I was just going to say, I was just going to add on to what you said. It's just like the Black Panther movie. That was the mm-hmm. best, biggest selling movie. And who was casting our people? You know what I'm saying? We We have the power. We just need to know it, you know? And I think religion has a lot to do with it, too. You know, because you know as well as I know that Christianity and Catholicism, they teach that white is good and black is bad. So if the kids got that in their mind from an early age, then they're going to be confused growing up because they're always taking black as bad when black is good. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just uh just listening to what you're saying, and I agree wholeheartedly. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, like yeah. uh, it was a whole movie for black people, and to me, that's just the same thing. Like we have shown that we can compete. Period. And that's why I said, like, open those doors yourself. Like, you have people. You actually have allies who have the same experience. Like, open those doors yourself. Like, one thing that I like, and I had a show that I talked about earlier, I don't know if you ever heard it, uh, Nipsey Hussle was making a point. 
he was just like how Disney and all these companies have the, or like, you know, they kind of have a monopoly on like a lot of uh, businesses or uh, like media technology. But he was just saying like, and they get their hands on the businesses and control really basically the direction of, basically who gets to come and who gets to go. And he was just saying, like, we should do that ourselves. Instead of giving them our money, we put it back into our community, grow our own business, and have our own status. Yeah, well, that's 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 what we're trying to do. We're trying to build Wakanda, yeah. you know. Everybody yeah. has to be on the same page. Because once we build Wakanda, then everybody's going to be on the same level. You know what I mean? No one's above nobody. Everybody's helping each other out, helping each other grow. And also, you know, don't everybody be having their own businesses. Don't be afraid to compete. At the same time. I said, don't be afraid to compete. Also, that's one thing I want to tell people. Like, number one, you, I can say you compete with yourself when you have to be, be the best. But don't let anyone intimidate you because you feel like you lack something. Because anything that you lack, you can gain if you really want it. And we, oh, like I said, Open your own doors. Make them. Build them. Knowledge is key. Knowledge is key. Knowledge is for everyone, not just for the rich. It's everyone. You just got to put it to use. Yes. It's so important, yes. Really, we do. And that's how we build Wakanda, and that's how we get everybody on board and everybody educated. Yes. You know, with the new information that's coming out now. Yes, and I, and I like that. Because it's crucial. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I like the direction that we're going. And like I said, I mean, there has been some, you know, I've tried, you know, for the better. Since like we did have a black president, we do um, watch seeing more positive when it comes to dark skin women, we are showing the diversity in uh, certain groups. Like you said, you are a light skin, or a, a, a light skin in your own community. And at the same time, we're showing that we all look different, but that does not have anything to do with how we can compete. You know what we deserve and who we are, and our and the quality of our person based off of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, I want to thank you. Huh? Go ahead. Like, like you said, it's not how we compete. It's it's not competing. It's how we compete. You know what I mean? We're gonna bring our yeah. better self out as yeah. we do what we do or whatever we do. Yes. Well, and um, I want to thank you. you Same. Thank you so much for coming and speaking your truth. I really appreciate it. And I'm so happy that when I clicked on you as a man, because I really wanted to, really wanted to hear more from a man. Because like I said, I've had so many conversations with women, and it's really nice to uh, hear, you know, it's really refreshing to hear your opinion. And it's, thank you so much for coming on, and hopefully see you next week. And have a good rest of your day. You do the same, Rosette, and you have a great. You take care. Actually, actually, this is a teach. I'm a, I'm, I'm. I'm her assistant, and I'm, I was doing the show today, so this is actually T T I Q U E on today, just so you know. Okay. All right. I apologize. No, it's okay. Mm. All right, guys. So that's all I really had for this show. And like I said, you know, the main thing I want you guys to take from it is that 
to change these attitudes for, you know, how we treat all darker-skinned women and darker-skinned men and is starts with the youth and know that colorism is real and at the same time know that we all come in different shapes, sizes, and tones. That's nothing to do with the quality of the person. And one more thing that I want to add. I'm not against, you know, what you're attracted to. Who you're attracted to is who you you are. It does say a lot about who you are. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, um, you don't have to deny yourself what you are honestly attracted to. And hopefully everyone, something I did, grow out of their ignorance. And the issue becomes when it comes to what you want. The issue starts when you like it because you think that that's worse. If you're honestly attracted to it because that's what you want, that's one thing. But to only like it because you deem that one as worse and that one as ugly, when that's 100% not true and has been filled in you, is when the issue starts. So, you know, hopefully let's be better, treat each other better, and let's, you know, boss up. Have a good day, guys.